a question to open up this episode very basic question to be honest should the panthers and the panthers fan base be worried that bryce young is going to get killed in the pocket smashed demolished hurt should we be worried i don't think so but an afc executive thinks that exactly this is what it was said now we don't know who said this this was leaked out I guess that you can't call it leaked out because it was a statement that was given. And it says, The NFC South is wide open, so Frank will probably do pretty well. Frank is the definition of a pro's pro. His key will be Bryce Young and his ability to stay on the field. I worry that Bryce is going to get killed. Like, smashed. Come on now. Our guy has been doing this his whole career. His whole successful career at Alabama, and I'm not worried, y'all, and I don't think you should be worried either. I think there is a caveat, though. This is the NFL, and I saw a stat the other day that almost 64 quarterbacks played in the league last year. So if you do the math, that's almost one to two quarterbacks per team if you consider backups and the way things shake out. There is absolutely a good chance that we see Matt Corral and or Andy Dalton at some point. But I am not going to sit here all night worrying about these, this statement that's made by an AFC executive in the offseason. I feel like if any other team had Bryce Young, they'd be so pumped up. But all these other fan bases, as I watch this unfold, that's, that's their only downside is he's too small. He's not going to last. He's not going to hold up. Give it some time, folks. Give it some time and understand that the plan that we are going to be putting into place is going to work out. All right, y'all. Welcome to the show. Carolina Dad, host of the Two States, One Team podcast, where we talk all about the Carolina Panthers. This week, the Panthers are wrapping up OTAs and moving into the next phase of the offseason. We'll tell you exactly where things stand. Over the past week, we got to hear from Frank Wright, Shaq Thompson, Brady Christensen, and Hayden Hurst. I'll give you a lightning update of the takeaways that we got out of their press conferences. As we look into this final week, we'll get to hear from a few more players on the roster. Speaking of our roster, one beat reporter that covers the Carolina Panthers believes there are similarities between Bryce Young and Cam Newton. And we'll talk about exactly what he said as he watches this thing unfold from the sidelines. And with the season less than 100 days away, we are starting to get Updated power rankings, post-draft, post-free agency, predictions. We'll talk through some of the things that we've heard so far and also explore the success of first-year head coaches. So not just rookie 
first time head coaches, but head coaches that are taking over a team for the first time. What does that success look like for them? And should we be tapering our expectations for the Panthers win total this season? All that to be discussed on today's episode. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Pulling out your off-season calendar, let's take a look at where we stand Today, we've made it through the first day of welcoming the players back, voluntary minicamp, rookie minicamp. We've moved into OTAs, organized team activities. We've had the first phase, May 23rd through the 25th. Last week, we had May 31st through June 2nd. Coming up this week, June 5th through the 8th, we will wrap up our OTA offseason workouts. From there, we'll pivot and move into mandatory minicamp, which is June 13th through the 15th. And then, folks, you can pack your bags if that's what you want to do and get ready to go to Spartanburg, South Carolina for blazing hot heat late July, early August as we move into training camp and truly get this thing rolling. We are now in phase three of the offseason program. So breaking down the phases, phase one consists of the first two weeks of the program with activities limited to meetings, strength and conditioning, and physical rehabilitation only. Phase two consisted of the next three weeks of the program, which were on-field workouts, including individual or group instruction and drills, as well as perfect play drills, and drills and plays with offensive players lining up across from offensive players and defensive players lining up across from defensive players. So going through walkthroughs, nothing really live or, or full steam ahead yet. We are now in phase three. So phase three is the next phase before we move into mandatory minicamp and training camp. So teams can conduct up to 10 days of organized team activities. There's no live contact as we've seen in the videos that have been shared. If you've been able to watch any of the highlights, we do see that seven on seven, nine on seven and 11 on 11 drills are also permitted. So we're starting to see things come into motion, learn more about the the roster before I actually dive into the takeaways from the press conferences. I think the biggest takeaway that we've gotten overarching is that Bryce Young is the clear leader in the locker room and the clear leader to take over first team reps. I would not be surprised if we didn't wait or, or you know, waited to, to make him and announce him as the starter coming into this. I see this happening much sooner given how the team is bonding around him. Every single press conference, it doesn't matter if they're talking to a tight end, if they're talking to a safety, if they're talking to the water boy, every reporter is asking about Bryce Young because that's the the name, the franchise changer, and that's what we've got. So let's dive right in. Let me give you what I'll call my lightning updates. From the press conferences, again, Frank, Shaq, Hayden Hurst, Brady, and let me tell you about what we heard. There is no doubt that Frank Wright is a pro's pro. As a fan base, you cannot ask for anything more with the transparency that he brings to the press conference. I've seen press conferences from years past with different coaches, not even just Frank Wright in general, but other coaches, and he does not beat around the bush. He gets straight to the point. He will tell you exactly what you want to be told. I know the NFL is a very secretive league of not spilling out where if someone's injured or where things stand and when is this guy coming back and how do you give an answer without giving an answer, but he gets right into it. You got to respect that. What have we learned over this past week of where we are? We're halfway through our install, getting the offensive playbook into place. Heavy focus has been on third down, red zone, and moving into play action. We are full steam ahead. System overload, giving the players as much information as they can, taking a step back, seeing who is able to consume this, who's able to absorb it, 
pick this up quickly, being able to pivot, understand the reads, where players are supposed to be, the techniques that go into that. All those things are being hammered into the players' minds right now. One of the names that got brought up was Derek Wright. Haven't really talked about him. Looked more like a practice squad player, but he has looked good. And I will say he said that all of our receivers out here are looking good. We also heard what it's been like for Frank Wright and Thomas Brown to work together as they build out this brand new offensive playbook. There's been some good things and then there's been some not so good things, but they have been able to work together. In some situations, they'll go with Frank's way and others they'll go with Thomas Brown. What they did find is there's about 30 to 40% similarity between what they brought into this and it's just all about getting the language aligned, but preaching heavily again on that diversity of thought. The thing that they preach specifically for quarterbacks is DTA. Love these acronyms that they throw out. Decision making, timing, and accuracy. We are looking for Bryce Young not to throw for 5,500 yards. We're looking for Bryce Young to throw for 4,000 yards. Be smart, efficient with the football, and not having unnecessary turnovers, especially when we get into the red zone. Now, I know you're going to laugh at this, and I'm going to laugh at this too because it's totally a joke, but clearly Frank Wright has been listening to my advice and expertise on this on this podcast. <laughs> All jokes aside, it was a very cool moment for me being a new podcast host and a a new podcast host in the the space of the Panthers to hear Frank Wright say something that I said a few months ago. And that was specifically, how do we plan to use LaVisca Chenault? And guess how we're planning to use him? Just like Debo Samuel is in the way that he works in the San Francisco 49ers offense. I know he's not going to come out here and be Debo Samuel putting up those stats and making the plays that he makes, but I do think he could be a very complimentary player. We even heard from Reich that there are plans to have him in the backfield, potentially in those 21 personnel situations where you have two running backs and he could be one of the running backs back there. The last player to get a call out, or I guess the last two players, were Raheem Blackshear and Chuba Hubbard. As we look at the running backs room and try to figure out who are the three backs that we're going to carry into the season, running back by committee, those are the guys to watch. And I'm always taking in anything that the coaches are giving us when it comes to the players. A lot can change and we'll find out way more once we get into pads and start making hits. Shaq Thompson next on the list. Very short press conference. Most of his press conference was talking through being back, why he wanted to come back. He wanted to play with this group of players, this group of men lead them. If he was going to win a Super Bowl, he'd rather win it here. Not saying that we're going to win a Super Bowl, but that was his philosophy and what he wanted to do. He also talked about the new defense, the new install of the 3-4. He feels like this is giving him more ability and freedom to move around and make plays. If you think about it from a linebacker standpoint, instead of having to be a true middle linebacker, having really like a 5-2 look, Gives you a lot more freedom and ability to make plays. And that is what we need him to be able to do on that side of the ball. He also gave a shout out to Von Bell and Jeremy Chin. Looking forward to where they're going to fit in. He said, you've got to have those guys on the field in order to make plays. And that's what we're going to see heading into this year. Hayden Hurst also had a very short press conference. The biggest thing that we got from him is that he was hurt and he had surgery. So He battled a groin and hernia injury last year since week one and did not get surgery until after the AFC championship game. So he is slowly working his way back. On Friday, he was going to go through walkthroughs, going with routes on air. We never heard from any of the coaches after the the weekend OTAs. I expect to hear an update next week. 
Same thing for for Chark, for DJ Chark. I know I'm talking through Hearst, but we should also expect to see DJ back out there running routes on air. From his pers- perspective, he is looking to be that security blanket for Bryce, knowing that it's a rookie quarterback. The offense that's being built is very tight end centric and friendly. So he wants to build that chemistry so that when Bryce is looking through his progressions and reads, they are on the same page, especially as that safety valve when we get into the red zone and he needs that big body dude to get the ball to. Brady Christensen was the last guy we heard from and there wasn't too much to take away from there. He talked about diving into the playbook, just learning it, going through the process and enjoying everything that came with it. Said that out of all the conversations that he had, Cade's taking big steps forward. And of course, Bozeman leading the charge on the offensive line at the center position. With OTAs wrapping up this week, I expect to hear from a few more players. And as we from them and the coaches. We will give you those updates on the next episode, so stay tuned. The next topic is going to have the fan base divided. Maybe not, but I'll say I feel like the fan base is divided right now on this topic, which is Cam Newton. And there's been a comparison that Bryce Young has similar characteristics of Cam Newton. So what were they? This is coming from Joe Pearson. He's covered the Panthers for, I believe, 14 plus years now, writes for The Athletic. There were two big things that reminded him, speaking of Bryce Young, comparing him to Cam Newton. There's people all across the NFL, people across our fan base even, that cannot stand Cam Newton, whether it's his antics, whether it was the press conferences, the way he played, the dabs, the dancing, the talking. Then there's those that absolutely love all that stuff. They love what he brought, the energy. And so we know size-wise that comparison isn't there. So what what did Joe see? What does Joe think? I'll give you his, his breakdown. Like great athletes across all sports, Young moves with an easy, natural athleticism that makes it seem like he's going half speed. Making this a little difficult to conceptualize is the fact that no one's been running full speed in these early short and helmet practices. Still, Young has the look of someone who's used to being the best player on the field everywhere he's been. Cam Newton was the same way. Gotta gotta agree with that. Now, if you want to argue if Cam was or was not the best player on the field, another conversation. But I do believe that particular trait is there. Now, the way that he does it, I think, is going to be very different than the way that Cam Newton is is doing it or has done it. There's not going to be showboating. It's just not his personality. I think we've seen who he is as a person off the field. We've seen it through the press conferences where he played at Alabama. Bryce Young is a very humble guy. He's not going to be out here doing the Superman stomp whatever it is spiking the ball I feel like he's gonna score a touchdown hand the ball to the ref and and (laughs) that's what you get I don't see him going around the stadium on our side of the field you know pointing trying to get people to do the wave yeah he'll hand the ball to a kid his leadership style is going to be different it's a different approach but I do agree with his take around the fluidness and there's some guys you see and you're it's hard to to comprehend it or, or put it into words when you think about you as, as a person going out here today and let's say you're a runner. I'm a runner on the side and I go out here and I run, I don't know, uh, I run three and a half to four miles a day. 
And I'm running about a nine, nine and a half minute pace, which is not pushing it very hard. To some folks who see me that may run a 15 minute pace, they're like, oh my gosh, like, dude, you're flying. It looks so smooth. And I'm really not trying. But then I go out here and I see this other guy, probably, well, I shouldn't say other guy. I see these other guys that I know that run ultra marathons to me. And, and it's just the fluidness, their ability to just do it. I know a guy who just ran 100 miles this past weekend. It is insane to me the way that people are able to do that. And I think that's what Bryce Young is bringing. He makes it look effortless. You think about some of the, the people, especially like with his size, you think, oh, is he straining to, to roll out and get the ball there? I think a better comparison is really like a, you know, a JV player trying to come up and play varsity or something like that where they're having to work really, really hard or you see them struggling just to keep up with everything that's going on. And we don't see that with Bryce Young. So I think that's a great attribute to have. I think it's a diff- in a different lane than the way that it's being perceived with who Cam Newton was and is. So what was the other comparison? This is uh, from Joe Pearson. Something else I noticed that reminded me of Newton, the way Young greets his offensive teammates with a hand slap before the start of team drills. Now, this is where it gets a little different, and I think it all goes back to the personality. Newton's greetings might have been more elaborate, but Young's served the same purpose, letting the receivers, tight ends, backs, and linemen know they're all in it together. Another good attribute, and again, a very different approach, the way that Young is going to do it or will do it or is doing it versus the way that Newton did it. I could see Newton coming in, having a uh, handshake with every person on the field. I remember all the videos when we followed Cam Newton and he was here in the preseason or warming up and the activities. He was always the one picking the music, blaring out whatever it was going to be, walking around to every single person on the field making himself known. I mean, that's who he was. He wanted to make himself known. Bryce doing the same thing, but in a different manner, a professional manner that like it serves the same purpose though. And I love this version that we are getting from Bryce Young. That's not to say that I'm not a fan of Cam and what he did for us and what he did for the Panthers organization, but it feels like a little bit different here with Bryce Young leading the charge. And what we are going to get and I hope it delivers. It's not all you can do right now is hope and keep on going. Speaking of hope, let us talk about the success of first year head coaches on new teams. As I was sitting down trying to think about some topics for this upcoming podcast for this week, We've reached a a weird spot. So all the madness related to the draft, like I said, is over. Free agency is over. And as a podcast host, being the first, my first time going through the offseason, I'm trying to understand the news and what should I talk to you about? What should I report on? Giving you updates. And with OTAs flowing through, that's been easy. But I also know in the next six, seven, eight weeks, it's going to be kind of slow. This week itself is a little bit slower. I mean, honestly, outside of OTAs and the few press conference takeaways that we heard, there wasn't much to talk about. So it was almost grasping thin air, trying to pull pull out some things. Well, this one, as I was putting Pearson to bed, I was just sitting there thinking like, what is the success of first year head coaches? So not just a rookie head coach, but think about a brand new head coach for a team. 
and how do they pin, pin out their first year with that team? Because I think a lot of times we assume that a experienced veteran head coach that comes in and takes over a team, whatever that team is, is going to have more success or at least more success than they had in the past year, the previous, you know, with the previous coaching staff or better than a rookie head coach. You think about a first time head coach, this statistic that, or I guess group of statistics that I was able to pull opened my eyes was not what I wanted to see, but it was part of, part of my discussion and exploration on this topic. So this is data, I believe within the past, let's see, from the past 13 years or roughly 13 years. And it may not include, I don't believe the, this past season. So from the 2021 season, 13 years out. So 24 of the 84 new head coaches have made the playoffs in the first year with their team. So that's 28%. So let me say that again. 24 out of 84 coaches over the past 13 years have made the playoffs with their teams. Only 28%. Out of those 84 coaches, the combined record was 596 and 746, and then two ties. So a 443 winning percentage, which comes out to about seven wins. Oh, yeah, that that doesn't get your hopes up, does it? Especially when you start talking about our power rankings here in a second and what that looks like. But what makes this stat a little more lopsided, not in our favor, I should say, is if you look just at the rookie head coaches since 2008, and there's way more rookie head coaches. So there were 60 out of 84, so 71% were new head coaching hires. They account for 17 of the 24 coaches that have made the playoffs in the first year. So 70%, 70% of the, the coaches that do make the playoffs in their first year as a new head coach are rookie head coaches. That gives you about a I can't even do the math right now, but that means 30% of the other smaller subset there don't make the playoffs. This had me wondering if we or I should be rethinking what success looks like in the first year. I don't have the answer yet, but maybe, maybe, maybe I do need to tone it back a bit and uh, start to look at what the others are saying, especially when you throw in the power rankings that are out there and Power rankings have us going much, much lower, or have us ranked much lower than what I would anticipate as an optimistic Panthers fan. When we say this, though, remember our win projection for this year is seven and a half, seven and a half wins. We're right on par with, with what that would look like, according to the data that's been put out here. I think Frank Wright will get over the hump. Not really that this is a home, but I do think he has that first year success or as a new head coach that's not a rookie head coach and leads us into the playoffs. The That's the ceiling. The ceiling is what, nine to 10 wins? I think 11 wins would be the maximum amount of wins that we would get this year. And then on the lower side, of course, the, the floor, a lot more to talk about there, four, five, six wins, Hope, hopefully nowhere near that. But Let's go ahead and jump into the power rankings. I was trying to uh, get this to pull up here 
earlier, but we've had adjusted power rankings. And I've talked a, I've talked a little bit about them, but Pro Football Focus put together their post-draft power rankings. This is with everything that's happened. Where do we land? Well, not too great, folks. And I think it it shifts our our uh, win prediction down even further. Well, we were 25 before the draft in Pro Football Focus's rankings. We are now at 28, bottom of the league, bottom of the league. I don't think the Panthers are that bad, and I don't see how, I don't know. I don't see how we are being ignored. I understand where we've gone in the offseason, everything that's happened. We've got the number one quarterback in the draft. We put together a lot of pieces. My only thought is, the fact that there is so much newness. You're bringing in a whole bunch of new players. You're bringing in a rookie quarterback, new offense, a new defense, new head coach, just new everything. Maybe we will not be able to put it together like we want by the end of the year. Something to ponder. Now, I say that, and then we go out to the NFL Network. Adam Rank of the NFL Network put together his prediction, so a little bit different. Not really looking at wins losses when we were talking about pro football focus, but clearly at the the bottom of the pack there. He has us finishing over 500 at 9 and 8, which could or should be close to putting us into the playoffs. You do realize, folks, that the Panthers have not finished over 500 or made the playoffs since 2017. I shared a graphic of that this week on my Instagram story and played the song. It's been a while. I'm not going to sing it because I'm a terrible singer, but it has been a while, folks. And I think out of the group, I don't remember it right in front of me, but the Panthers were near the bottom of that list as well because it's been a while, folks, since we made the playoffs. Nine and eight making the playoffs, though. I'll take it. I'll take any happy prediction that puts us in you know good favor heading into the year. So send me all those articles and I will digest them and get them out for you. Well, y'all, I've said it a few times. We've reached that point in the off season where there's just not a lot to talk about. And I am not going to make you sit on here and listen to me ramble all day long. But let's close out today's episode. Now, closing out today's episode, I wanted to take a quick look at our cap space, where we stand. So. We've got about $27 million available. A few things that can still happen. Number one, the Brian Burns extension. Keep looking for us to make that happen. I I feel like we'll get that executed before the start of the season. The other thing to think about is free agency. There aren't many free agents available. We know that DeAndre Hopkins is available. And I know I talked about it last week or on the episode last week and I put some hope out there that we may look at him, but it it does seem like we're pretty content here. DeAndre Hopkins, I don't see him coming over. There's ramblings, not a free agent, but Dalvin Cook, running back Minnesota Vikings, that we should target him, or I've seen people asking if we should. No, I think our running back room is good where it stands as well. I mean, if one of these guys came available, it is a free agent or for, for next to nothing at four or five million a year, of course, bring him on. We'll take all the talent that we have. With what's left, there's not a lot. As I said, DeAndre Hopkins is available. The two biggest players that remain available are Yannick Inyako 
and then Jadavian Clowney, both with somewhat similar ties to the Panthers in a way. So Yannick played for the Indianapolis Colts, could be a fit for us. And then, of course, Jadavian Clowney, who played ball, University of South Carolina. Those are your big names, and they're still out there for a reason. We're already past June 1st, and nobody's picked them up. There is another edge, Leonard Floyd. All these guys are a little bit older. Cornerback, we could always use cornerback. Marcus Peters is available. Melvin Ingram, another edge player, is available. Frank Clark, edge. Bryce Callahan, cornerback. Most of these guys are 30 and up, which in NFL terms is old. Every time I say 30, 31-year-old guys are old, I, I laugh at myself because I'm 31 years old. So I, it's just hilarious to me to, to think about calling these dudes old. They're my age in playing in the NFL. In an offseason that has been one of the best in Panthers history, you do wonder every now and then, what if? And I say what if because what if we had a little bit more money to spend and we could have got some bigger guys? Our dead cap space money, we're just uh, only fifth in the league in the amount that we owe. So we are still paying Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey, and DJ Moore, though they're eating up the bulk of the money that's out there. Always worth worth a ponder, but it is what it is, and we move on with where we are. Well, y'all, that is all I got for this week. Very short and sweet episode. Not too much to go through. Could drag this out and just keep talking and talking and talking about my perspective on Bryce Young for the hundredth time, but I'm keeping it short this week and letting you get on with your life. And we will move into a new episode next week, keeping this thing rolling with all Panthers news. You can follow me wherever you get your podcast. Appreciate it. Like, comment, all that good stuff. And then search for me on Instagram and Twitter. Peace. Y'all have a good one.